man, Fox has got to quit hiring these right-wing wackos. It's kind of insane that we have trucks and trains carrying oil all over this country rather than constructing pipelines, which would permit accessing more resources, cheaper, safer transmission. Oh, wait, sorry, I got that all wrong. You know what, we'll fix this in post-production. I'll edit this part out. I was all screwed up. That's actually Larry Summers. He used to be an economic advisor for Barack Hussein Obama. Mm -mm -mm. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times like this require us to make a decision. In fact, all times do. Deciding to not decide, well, that's a decision. Choose the way of the Lord. Bulwark Capital Management's been with us from the very beginning, and here I sit once again on a Friday with my dear friend and my brother, Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Zach, say hi to the people. Hey, how you doing, folks? Thanks for having me on again, Todd. Thanks for having me on the radio show, Todd. Did you, did you uh, have you ever heard the old um, radio days where people were taught to puke into the mic? No. That's a true thing. Um, I got to have dinner this past weekend with my, um, I consider him a godfather. Um, he and his wife are second parents to me. Uh, he was a radio legend. Um, and I mean it, man. He started uh, Dick Park productions and BPME, which became, um, gosh, it became the big, big, biggest syndicator in radio for a long time. And finally got purchased. Clear channel. No, it didn't become clear channel, but it came Westwood one. It became Westwood one. Oh, there. Yeah. Huge. And he was the editor of the Gavin reports. He, he really did a lot in radio, but back in the day, there were three things. You had to have a name that was two, uh, like uh, three syllables, Gary Taylor. Yeah. Oh Gary yeah. Sunshine. Um, and then you had the smoke. Oh, for sure. No, true story. Yeah. Because it mellowed the voice. Hey, it's Gary Sunshine. It's uh, 58 degrees in the city. Um, how would it be? Gary Sunshine, 58 degrees in the city, 732. We're going to come up with some Led Zeppelin next. Right now, we're going to talk about music in the park this weekend. We'll get started with that right after this from ACDC. Ha! It's like... They were taught to pure. So, <laughs> yeah. Was the, so was the talent, was the yeah. talent finding process like, Hey, this kid's got promise. Somebody give him a carton of Pall Malls. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, this is a true thing. Your programmer director could go, I need you to start smoking. Kid, you are emphysema away from yeah. being a star. Yeah. 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 Uh, I forgot what I was talking about that, but uh, yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard that. You puke into the mic. Just really load it to the people. No, I, I'm not doing this correctly. No, we'll come <laughs> and I'll give you a puking contest. Give you a puking lesson. Yeah. You heard the thing from uh, Larry Summers uh, saying it doesn't make sense that we have oil trucks um, and trains going across the country when we could have pipelines. And that's a warm up for my big question for you today. And I'll let you think about this as we uh, as we warm up here, the, the beginning rounds, the get started rounds. Uh, I'm going to ask you on a scale of one to 10, how likely is an uh, electricity infrastructure collapse in one of the separate countries like California? So let that stew. Uh, you can just, you noodle on that. Um, that was Larry Summers 
So he knows, and he was an economic advisor for Barack Hussein Obama, mm -mm -mm, and he knows this doesn't make any sense. So once again, it's this debate about, do they know what they're doing to us? Well, <clears throat> couple thoughts. Uh, I hadn't heard that quote, mm -hmm. but when Larry Summers sounds like the voice of reason, we're in a very <laughs> odd place. <laughs> oh, is he one of the so, is he one of the baddies? One, no, one he's of the stupidies. He, yeah, he's one. Of, he's he's a classic academic. He's a neoclassical economist mm -hmm. that 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 kind of believes that inflation is is uh, as. Uh, yeah, yeah, that it's that it's a necessary. See, the neoclassical economists, even though there's several different periods of times that we can point out over the last several hundred or several hundred years, they they believe that growth and inflation are synonymous. That one doesn't occur without the other. But we've got several examples of periods of times where that's not the case. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> I I think that you know Larry Summers and his ilk are the guys driving modern monetary, not MMT, but but monetary policy as it exists today, right? If we don't have it, just print it. We don't have to worry about inflation, blah, blah, blah. Um, what, what, what I really glean from that, and, and this to me is encouraging actually, is that these people, and I don't need to tell you this, these pe people are all political monsters. Larry Summers, despite the fact, you know, he's not as bad as Paul Krugman, but you know, they go to the same parties. Yeah. So uh, um, if he's saying that out loud, it's because he recognizes the storm and the snowball that's rolling downhill. And he just doesn't want to be on the other side of it. Right. Because you know, they, it, it, to be advocating pipeline builds is obvious to me. It's an admission that he understands the storm coming down, coming down the, coming down the pipe. So there's a lot of that going around because this week um, it's on a different sector of what the party's doing to us, but there's a guy named Paul Offit and he is uh, probably awful. Uh, OFF. No, it's Offit. O-F-F-E-T. I thought it was Ofitz. Ofitz? Are you talking about the FDA guy? Oh, man, I don't know. There's no, a lot of clowns. A, this, <laughs> I know there's a lot of clowns. Uh, this is an FDA it's advisor. It's a target-rich environment. It's Paul Offit. I'm looking at it. He okay. is a, he's an FDA advisor, one of 21. Um, he was on NBC 10 News in Chicago saying, do not use the boosters. Tested don't use what? Boosters. Don't use boosters. Do not use the booster injections. Do not let, don't let your kids have this. This was tested on mice. You had Robert Redfield, the former supposed head of the CDC, although it seemed like Tony Fauci ran him, um, saying Fauci lied about Wuhan. Um, there is a breaking now of like the FedEx boss. Did you see this? I'm sure you saw this. The boss man at FedEx said, we're going to see, I don't think he said an economic Holocaust that will kill 6 billion people. I know the World Economic Forum's open for that, but he said, but did he say meltdown or catastrophe? He said some big word. Global recession, oh. I think was the word, the, were the words that I heard, okay. heard him say, but he said it in a very ominous tone. And this is something that you and I have been talking about for quite some time. Um, and I, I'll just go back to FedEx's, <laughs> FedEx earnings didn't surprise me at all. And, and remember how we were saying that when you look at the combination of what's going on in currency land, by the way, the dollar index hit a new high today. Dollar index closed at 111.35. That's the highest level we've seen since 2000, I believe. So, so now it's a 23-year high. Yeah, we're recording this early, by the way. But it, it, Oh, yeah, okay, okay. You always forget to, it's, yes. it's hard to forget to time shift into the future. <laughs> yeah, man, I fall over the place. 
But, 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 but this is the point that I was trying to make to the listeners is that when you look at the combination of rising interest rates, the dollar doing what it's doing and the strain, remember 40% of S and P revenues come from international markets. The biggest, by far the majority of that comes from Europe and Asia, the two places that are hit hardest by the currency crisis and hardest by the energy crisis and rates are going, when you look at all that stuff to think that you're not going to see a significant drop in demand of us goods. I mean, it's just a bridge too far. You've got to believe that the price elasticity of all these goods. And when I say that, I'm not trying to be too wonkish, right? What I'm saying, price elasticity if, if a store raises their prices two to three, 4%, right? If the Big Mac value meal goes from 299 to 329, you're, you're really not going to see an impact on consumer demand. Yep. But if the Big Mac meal goes from 299 to 799, you're, you're definitely going to see a pullback in demand, right? Yep. Well, think about being in Europe right now. The Euro is now trading below parity to the dollar. So it's peeled off over 30% of its value in the last 13 months. Right? You want to go buy a U.S. car, that car has increased in price on a currency basis by over 30%. You're paying, you're paying double the interest rate to finance it, and you're paying six times the cost at the pump to fill it up. Oh. If you don't think that's going to impact the sale of U.S. goods in Europe and Asia, I got a bridge to sell you. Right, And then people are like, well, that's why they're going to buy EVs. Go look at what the prices of those things have done. <laughs> um, it, it's just, it doesn't look good. And we've been saying this and I said, you know, not to drive people to bulwark, but hey, even for those guys managing their own money, man, now is not a time. And, and Todd, again, I do not like to make short-term market prognostications, but after the Fed hike today uh, and then the language that Jerome Powell used, it really feels to me like this market's sitting on a trap door and you know, you could be looking at a pretty quick 10 to 15% washout from here. Now I'm not telling people to short it, right? I'm not giving like who knows in this crazy market, but the economic picture really is that bad. So, and I want to make sure everyone understands when Zach says who knows in this economic picture, um, you know, about shorting things. And I don't want to make it an infomercial for your company as much as I love your company. But that's why I, I try to describe you guys as, as hedge upon hedge upon hedge. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, risk management, like the record companies, they're portfolio companies. And so record companies, they'll sign uh, a thousand artists and mm -hmm. 10. Well, no, it's probably like a hundred would do okay. Sell some records. 50 would do really well. Um, it is probably out of that stable five artists who will make all their money. Yeah. It's a portfolio yeah. play. And Silicon Valley is yeah. famous for this. So they've got a $50 billion fund. So sure. Oh, 5 billion to invest in your company. 5 million, who cares? Doesn't, it, we, yeah, yeah. it's not even worth our time. Don't come in here asking for 5 million bucks, ask for 50 or, and I know things have changed now because there's agile development and they want you to come in with traction and they, they like these small seed rounds, et cetera, but it's still the same scenario. It's still, we're going to invest in a whole bunch of plays. Some of them are going to be, you know, first base singles. Some of them are going to be the base two uh, doubles, third base. And then the home runs, the three home runs pay for everything else. 
Yep. Okay. Yep. And you and guys th- take a similar approach though, investing, right? So when you say, I'm not telling you to short things, not only do you not give specific financial advice on a show like this, but you guys are hedge upon hedge upon hedge, right? Yeah. So, so our average, so <clears throat> our average total client portfolio is down about 3% this year. Yeah. It was up about 17 last year. So uh, if you look at it, you know, it's, it's still, you know, 3% is a blip. Uh, but the reason we're down 3% is not because we know all the stocks that don't go down. And, and the way I try to describe this to people is, look, nobody knows when a market crash is going to happen. Okay. But what we do know are the conditions in which they occur. When those conditions materialize, we get defensive. Why do we get defensive? Because the majority of the money that we manage is retirement money. They can't afford a catastrophic loss. So in a year like this year, when we were looking at soaring inflation and rapidly rising interest rates, in an environment where the S&P was trading at 32 times earnings, and and energy prices are soaring, dollars going through the roof, we're like, uh, this, we could be wrong, but it probably a good time to remember to bring the umbrella and the raincoat when we leave. And so we hedge up our positions. Um, now we're really bullish still long-term and even over the relatively short-term on energy markets, but we hedged even our energy positions on Monday of this week um, because we thought the Fed was going to follow through and raise. And when they do, it's going to hit everything. Uh, so like a day like today, market was down almost 2%. We were flat. Um, we didn't make money. But again, you know, markets down what twenty three percent now year to date. Our stock portfolios are down six and a half, seven. Uh, our overall client portfolios down, like I said, three, three and a half. Um, I don't like being down, but if you look at it since last January, we're still sitting on good gains. And the whole point is, is we're not going to take the full brunt of it. We're not going to try to play it perfect. We've made money in down markets before, but you know, even to make money in down markets, you've got to get short. You know, you gotta, you gotta push the, you gotta push the risk of that on that side too. So when we get into environments like this, it's like, Hey, let's batten down the hatches. If we're wrong, that insurance will mean that we just go up slower. If we're right, yeah. it won't be a life altering event for our clients. So, well, right. It yeah. kind of makes sense to us. Yeah. And I guess Americans can still be proud that Washington DC hospitals still have, you know, aborted fetuses to burn for energy and well, just, that just, would be. I'm just pointing out that it's a spiritual warfare thing. I'm just pointing. Yeah, out, I'm yeah. I mean, the shock you. I just like to remind people of that, like uh, hospitals in Oregon. Look, man, the storm that's coming because we're talking about the energy storm. We're talking about the you know the economic storm, and the Bible tells us you know, please don't be afraid. 365 different times, but I'm also trying to remind us how do we get here? Like, why is this happening? Well. Uh, because God, I think is saying, you guys are so smart. You got it all figured out. Okay. Let's let the figurehead run things. Um, let's, and, and at some point or another, you got to figure out your plans are stupid. They're stupid mm-hmm. plans and they're evil plans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so let me boil this down for folks like me, um, facing an energy crisis that they've made. I think they've made. Okay. We have wood to burn because we've got 400 acres of, of woods behind us. Uh, let's see. What do we have? Um, some natural gas. That's harder to turn off. Uh, but you can't really store this stuff. I mean, I guess I can store diesel. So what do you say to people living in the cities? Like what is the likelihood you think of big disruptions 
in say a Los Angeles that, as you know, is, I mean, they're, they're breaking their own backs and people not to charge their Tesla's, uh, do not run your air conditioning as Gavin Newsom made that video, by the way, turn off your air conditioning. He was wearing a sweater inside on a hundred degree day. The, the, remember tombstone his hypocrisy knows no bounds. No, that was, um, that was, nope. Doc said, no, if you're going to do, if you got to do it right. My, my hypocrisy knows no bounds. Oh, my hypocrisy. That's and, right. No, that's Doc, right. You're not a hypocrite. You just like to sound like one. Yeah. <laughs> I, so here, here's the deal. I, I, I think if you're, if we're talking about places like California and T, I mean, California is really its own, right. <laughs> it's its own it's little likely? place. Yeah, but do you think, could you see two or three days without power in Los Angeles? I, I don't want to see it. And yes, I could. Yeah, absolutely. You could. And, and because their grid is hanging on by a thread. And here's the irony. They're the place pushing EVs harder and harder and harder. Okay. Every EV you plug in is, is pressuring the grid even more. They have done no grid work or no grid investment to prepare for this. At some point, it's just about copper melting down. Now I'm making it way too simple, right? But at some point the load on the grid is just too big. And the way they're pushing EVs without any infrastructure spend on their grid, and maybe they're doing something on the margins, but nothing meaningful, right? Um, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a very real possibility. I don't think you're going to see anything like uh, uh, oil and diesel shortages um, for a variety of different reasons. Now, what I think you could see is sky high prices for a relatively short period of time. But due to domestic production we have here that we can, it's not like a light switch, but you got to think too, in an environment like that, demand would fall off significantly, right? So could we continue to, would we still have access to things like diesel and gas? Yeah, I don't think it's going to get that bad. Um, I mean, unless they do something really, really crazy, but that's what I was saying was that that's what gives me encouragement regarding the energy situation. Listening to a guy like Larry Summers say what he said, because what he just said makes him less popular at DC cocktail parties. Now you and I both know that political animals like Larry Summers, he only says that because the alternative is worse, right? So he doesn't want to be on the wrong side of history. And I think that what you're seeing here is start, you're starting to see the rats, you know, abandoned ship. Oh, that's why I brought up the COVID stuff with Fauci saying, well, I mean, let's remember something. I, I, I never, I never suggested a lockdown of anything. Uh, He He didn't say that. Oh yeah. Oh wow. He did. Wow. Well, that that wasn't me. Yeah. And (laughs) he, he actually, he said that on the TV. Yeah, and then are he and Biden related? Uh, maybe they're like maybe he's like blood brothers. Maybe they were like a member of. Maybe they were like in Skull and Bone. Maybe Delaware's got like its own version of Skull and Bones or something. That they were I think in, right? Biden this way that you know a shark wakes up because they don't really sleep. They kind of they they shut down. Um, they're and when their brain turns back on, it goes eat. And I think if Biden, when his brain turns on, it goes grift. And with Fauci, it's lie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, they are, that's what got them there. They're jumping ship. There's something I want to play for you and it has to do with energy, but there's also a story out of um, the New York times, believe it or not. They, they went and did some uh, journalism and there's a reason for it. As I see it, there's always a reason for it. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. 
the New York Times did some journalism? Wow. Yeah. These are strange times, man. Very, very strange times. And there's a guy uh, who is a representative from Louisiana. Um, And this, I love this. Uh, His name is Clay Higgins. He was questioning a young woman who wants to do away with the petroleum industry. Americans are watching this hearing today, and I'm glad we're having it because this is some of the most outlandish testimony I've witnessed yet in six years in this oversight uh, committee room. It's it's stunning. It, uh, I'm not quite sure. I mean, with, with all due respect to our, our panelists today, I'm not quite sure some of you are connected to reality. So he, are- he, he goes on to give her the opportunity to run the world. And he says it in his inestimable way. And, and young lady, a kind woman, a kind, a kind young lady, a good lady. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to run the world and, and, and put you in charge of energy policy. And I'm going to ask you three questions. You got to hear this. I, I grabbed just a bit of this. Um, I have this prediction. You will want to hold on to something. You, Zach, I'm telling you right now, you're going to want to hold on to something when he gives her an opportunity to make policy because she's there to talk about policy. It is a phenomenal thing. We'll get to that with Zach Abraham. Oh, man, I'm looking at. I thought I left the land of construction. I thought I left the land of construction, but, um, you know, I'm up in the, in the Northern house today, the North Idaho house, Southern Idaho is still pretty sane. Uh, North Idaho. It's now a 15 minute drive is now an hour because they're doing this insane, this insane work, uh, on the road that needs to get done, but man, they're mismanaging it. Uh, See, it's, you can get to all sorts of magic places, like the, the, the high mountains of free America, they're far better. You get to all sorts of magic places. But one of the things I've learned is that you go with you. I was approaching this lady who was just doing her job as a flagger. And thank the Lord Almighty, my wife was with me. Because I'm pulling up. They're still doing this. I can't believe they're still doing this. And she goes, please be nice to the lady. Please be nice to the lady. Please be nice to the lady. And the Lord spoke to me and I was nice to the lady and she was nice to me. And oh, I was so frustrated. But you go with you. And so let me ask you this question. What components of yourself make it hard to have joy with yourself? Now, if weight, if fat is part of that, number one, I beg you to reconsider that. I beg you. The stinking food pyramid, what the government did to us, hey, eat grains and pasta all day, plus butter, but never protein. They're trying to do it again. Some of this is not your fault. And then, oh, we'll just eat less than you burn. Mm. Now, not once you've hit a set point, your body will try to hold on to that. It looks at that fat as a savings account. If that is something about yourself you don't like, I beg you to try soda weight loss because I know what it's like. 150 pounds of unwanted fat on my body. I do know what it's like to be in environments where there's mirrors, like walking through a mall and there's mirrors and you won't look at them. I know, I know, I did it too. I did it too. Getting your hair cut. Hey, can you put that, put the thing up for me? The, what, the, that covers my hair. Well, I ha- I'm not sorry, cutting. Yeah, but I can, I can see my, I can see my gut. Cover me up. Look at me, I'm grotesque. You're not. But if you don't like it, please change it. And if you've told yourself you're getting ready to change it or you're gonna, and you haven't, you might need help. 
I needed my wife's help. Please be nice to the lady. It's Soda Weight Loss is what I recommend. Uh, they're healthcare providers from way back. There is no judgment. They'll be thrilled to help you with this. They provide the food, the inputs. You don't have to go anywhere. They'll tell you how much fat you can expect to drop per week. And when you talk to them about the pricing, which depends on you, uh, make sure that you take that amount you're going to pay. And remember, that's food you're not going to buy. A lot of it is based upon the food they're going to provide you. So please keep that in mind. It's SotaWeightLoss.com, S-O-T-A. WeightLoss.com, it stands for state-of-the-art. Because they are state-of-the-art. So, Zach, here's the scene. Uh, Clay Higgins is a good old-fashioned Nolans gentleman. I don't know if there's Nolans, but uh, Louisiana. And he's visiting with this young woman who is an energy policy expert. And so... He is dressed in this beautiful uh, kind of salt and pepper classic sport coat, and he has a, a almost purple vest underneath and a silver tie. Super, super buttoned up gentleman. Here's just a bit of the conversation. Zach, I'm telling you, he gave her three opportunities to make energy policy. This is where they got every single time. What would you do? I have three questions, so I'm trying to keep your answers within 30 or 40 seconds, please. What would you do with petrochemical products? Okay. Everything you have, your clothes, your glasses, the car you got her on, your phone, the table you're sitting at, the chair, the carpet under your feet, everything you've got is petrochemical products. What would you do with that? Tell the world. If I had that power in the world, what? actually, I don't need that power because what I would do is ask you, sir, from Louisiana. <laughs> I'm giving you the to power. Search, You're presenting, to search you, sir, with your, with from Louisiana, project. to search your heart when, and understand why the EPA knows that toxic petrochemical facilities My are some of the lady. most toxic, I'm polluting trying, facilities in the, the world blow, and are killing black people throughout Louisiana. Okay, so my so first thing would to be you to search your you heart consume. and ask your God what you are doing to the black That's and our poor God. people no in Louisiana. That. Uh, that would be my first uh, thing to ask. Let's just have uh, one at a time <laughs> so that we can... Uh, <laughs> he asks her about petrochemicals. Uh, and I like that he says in there, and I had to learn this. Uh, he said at one point, um, boo. Apparently that's a ingratiating, nice nickname for people. Um, and then he asked her about the ships at sea. What are you going to do with those? Or the, the ships that are out there at sea. That How are you, what are you going to do? Every single time it went back to ask your God. So Dude, it, it, uh, it, it, here, here, the insanity of this whole thing is if she had her way, it would be tantamount to genocide against black people. Do you, do you know how many people would die on the continent of Africa if these people had their way? How, how much more starvation? I mean, you're probably looking at north of a billion. I, I mean, it, 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 this is insanity. And these, these uh, God help us. Hey, who is this woman? Well, 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 who employs her? <laughs> Sadly, I don't have her name. Um, I will research it because she's vitally important. Well, I mean, according to her, she is. <laughs> but but Zach, I, the, this is what I this is what I got out of this is uh, the anger when she says, "Ask your God." Oh, so tell me uh, again yeah. that the that tell me again that the enemy hasn't said, "Man, uh, these people." I mean, he's he's got to be having parties with the demons going. They think she's an expert. Watch, watch, guys. I'm going to put her up in Congress, and at least Congressman Higgins. 
Yeah, and by the way, later on, he mentions the name of the Lord Jesus' name uh, by name uh, and very, very, uh, very respectfully. And says, I make them apologies. He's your God, too. I love that so much. But if you can't answer the question of what would you do, never, never speak of policy. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's completely farcical. I mean, the, and, 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 you know, I know you're in the same place, Todd, you've taken a lot of heat over, I was going to make a joke about what these people were saying about COVID. Now they're saying, don't take the, don't, don't take the boosters. And I'm like, Oh, they must've been listening to the Todd Herman show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, but it, 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 at some point we decided, I remember back in the day, when we had really robust political debates about lower or higher taxes. Yeah. Don't you miss those days? Like I, you know, now it is just, Hey, we think the policy, we think the policy and she, you know, I'll give her credit in the sense that I, I bet you, if you could give her a lie detector test, she probably has no cognitive awareness of, uh, you know, wanting to get rid of 5 billion people or 6 billion people off the planet. That's probably not her thing. Right, she's probably bought in wholesale into the we're killing the planet thing, right? Um, if you let her have her way, she would annihilate 20 to 30% of the population off the face of the earth, at least through starvation, through, through uh, freezing, through dying of heat. So, I mean, these, it's like, again, I just keep going back to that term I use, third grade diplomacy, where like if you, if you, sold the idea of catastrophic global warming that we're only 15 years away or 10 years away from stopping, right? The way they sell the narrative. If you told a group of third graders that these are the policy decisions that they would get to you outlawed all get rid of it. And you're like, hold on a second. If you do that, you're going to kill twice as many people as your worst projections of global warming. Right? So, like it, yeah. it, at some point, reason and logic just went out the window I, and it became religion. I see the face of Bill Gates in this. And I don't mean to make Bill the boogeyman for everything, but I see Common Core. I'll tell you why. It's because when Common Core did this thing, they mm -hmm. came along and said, uh, here's a paragraph, form an opinion. So there would be a paragraph um, and it, it would be from history. And it's, I don't know, a hundred words, form an opinion. And okay, so well, that's really bad what they're doing there. That's that's they they dropped bombs in Hiroshima. That's bad. They're murderers. Everybody everybody involved is evil. There's no defense for that. My opinion is America murdered everybody. That's not an opinion. That's a feeling because you have absolutely right. no context. You have absolutely the question should be what else do you need to know to form an opinion? Now you have feelings. But they would take the feelings in Common Core and they would make them into opinions the same way they're making boys mentally into girls. Right. And all of a sudden, right. that woman thinks that she's expressing an opinion. She didn't express an opinion. She expressed feelings. You're God. Search your soul. And that's, that's a great hat trick of, of evil and ignorance. And what I've always said about governance is the worst combination in governance is ignorance and arrogance wrapped up into one person. And it's the scariest combination in the world. Right. That's what we're seeing. And there was, yeah. the, I, I can't find this, but earlier this week, I was quoting some energy numbers from England and you can check me on this, but it was like 
a guy posted this saying, my mom just got this from the British petroleum people. Uh, her energy cost was like 12, 12, uh, you know, 43, 12 pounds per month. And now it's 2,300 pounds. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that one in particular, but I know manufacturing facilities in like, for instance, now th this is firsthand yeah. like database. Yeah. Uh, I know of manufacturing facilities in Germany where their natural gas bill went from a thousand dollars a month to $17,000 a month. So, so moves like that would not surprise me. Um, and, and what's happening. And this is another reason of why we're saying that it were for, there's a bit of a storm coming economically yeah. is why that's so important when that's happening in Germany with all the other things that they're facing there as a continent is the economic engine that has driven the Eurozone that has kept Brussels in power that has maintained the stability of the European union is Germany period. Um, they are net exporters. Uh, they run trade surpluses that is going, that is, that is evaporating in front of our eyes. Okay, so I, 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 don't, I, I don't know the numbers for sure, so don't quote me on this, but I believe this year Germany will run a trade deficit for like the first time in decades. Um, and I, yeah, no, it's, it, it's a mess. And, and the, what's amazing, Todd, is, and I talk to our clients about this all the time, and, and I, you see this in many different areas, but you can even see it in like the energy stocks that we own. Um, you know, a lot of times stuff like this comes down to, hey, we want to buy this stock. Or if we go switch over to policy, it's, hey, don't do this because X will happen. Okay, it's happening right now, right? The, 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 the plane has flown into the side of the mountain. And these people are telling you there is no mountain and there is no plane. And if there is a plane, make sure it doesn't use oil, right? <laughs> like it's, and, and you're sitting there going, guys, if you do not let up off the accelerator, you are going to, this is going to result in, I mean, you don't even need to get into energy. Do you know what happens to, to like the death rate with every point unemployment goes up? Yes. I mean, the, I the devastation these people are going to cause is just astronomical. But here's the thing that I've thought a lot about, and I, I don't want that pain to be realized, but I almost feel as though culturally speaking in this country, certainly in Europe, the, the Rubicon has been crossed. And at this point, I think the only way out is pain, right? Like, I think the only thing that swings the pendulum back is max pain. I, and I hope, hopefully I'm wrong, but, but th this is so outside the norms or this is so outside of debate. It's not if it's going to happen, it's happening. And if they continue, I, I mean, we're at this point, you're looking at them going, Hey guys, Hey, don't call me a, conservative. Don't go, hey, I, this isn't political. I'm just begging you, please, for the good of your own kids, yeah. for the good of your neighbors, don't do this. This isn't a political issue. Um, and, but, but like I said, if, if, if we're going to tack back to common sense and we're going to start making, you know, good decisions and, and getting back to our roots, I, unfortunately, I think this may be the only pathway back is just massive, maximum pain. Well, I mean, there's that Hebrewic saying I tend to butcher, uh, when you are lenient, when you should be firm, eventually you'll be cruel when you should be kind. Yeah. And parents yeah. who were too lenient with kids, they know that they know that's true. You lean it when you should be firm, you eventually be cruel when you should be kind. And that, you know, that bears out.
And there's parents who yeah. struggle with that. So uh, I know that. And it's, you, and, it, good. and it's consistent throughout history, right? I mean, it's, it's not like we need examples from today. No. That's the other thing that kills. That's the other thing that kills you is, you know, when you start messing with energy, I, you got to be really careful because it is, uh, it underlies everything. I mean, you've got soaring food costs. Yep. You've got, you, you, there's no, you know, you can't find fertilizer. I, you, you're well, sitting there going, guys, but guys. And now, like, now let, once again, the big fertilizer companies are being told, cut your production. Uh, I have farmer friends who are telling me we're being told next year, make room for 35 to 40% less fertilizer. And look, I'm telling you, and I'm going to say this because of the same analysis I did with COVID, Zach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a behavioral kill shoot. They are yeah. eliminating all other, all other, you know, all other choices. Hey, wow, we simply don't have the power and the, and the petroleum to be able to produce meats. Um, you're going to have to eat the fake meat if you want protein. And bugs are going to be part of that. And if you don't like that, well, I guess you don't have to eat protein and, oh, well, we're sorry that you can't afford a, a gas car because remember, Zach, it's not just California. It's 17 other states are hooked up to a political suicide pact with California. California will make mm -hmm. our environmental policies for cars. There's 17 states out there with that Damoclean sword hanging over their head. You are also going to have to ban the sale of new gas cars. And here's what I hope, because throughout history, throughout biblical history, and this doesn't speak very well of human beings, by the way. During great times, people like, man, I'm a genius. I am a genius. Look at me flipping houses. Woo! Got me. We, we, we call, yeah? You know what we call that in the business? Uh, we call that mistaking brains for a bull market. There it is. Look at me. Yeah. Man, I bought Microsoft, baby. Uh, and I saw the Google thing coming. Oh, I'm a genius. And then when times get tough, they start to get tough, people will go, why is God allowing this? God's so cruel. And then when things get really bad, they're on their knees going, Oh dear Lord, help me. Yeah. And, and I see, I can't speak for God, but it would entertain me. Um, not that the Lord exists to entertain me. He certainly doesn't, but it would be entertaining if he came along and said, like to a bunch of people, how you guys had it figured yeah. out. If, if God came down and said, Hey, I'm going to take a break from what's biblical. I decided to come down and appear in front of the entire earth at the same time and say, Hey, I'm God. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to fix it? Oh, well, I just, gave you all the energy you need. Right. Well, here's what we want. We just want food. We don't want to have to work for it. And, and we don't want pain and we don't want cancer. Oh, oh, well, never mind then. Cause guess what? There's already a way to get that. Read my book. It's available at Bible.org. Right. <laughs> And, then the, <laughs> and wait, there's more. Right? And then the fact checkers come <laughs> along. God claimed without evidence that. Right? So next week, um, yeah. we will reconvene and, and have yet another discussion. And um, I want to talk a little bit about elementary finance. And I want to talk um, about if Zach Abraham was writing a curriculum for homeschool finance. Can we do that next week? of how yeah, you would teach um, a homeschool finance course. And at homeschool, you know, you can have first graders and 12th graders. So yeah. let's, yep. let's yep. think about that together, okay? 
Yeah, you bet, man. And just and just for the folks out there, guys, hey, you know, if you're out there managing your own money, best of luck and and still be very very cautious. I, like I said, I, I when you look at what's going, I, you know, we've been saying it the whole time we've been having this conversation, but if you think this is a bottom or the bloodletting's over. Look, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen, but I bet dollars and cents that's not the case. And we are hedged up and we're going to remain hedged up and um, just be careful. This is getting ugly. Yeah, it is. And I'll let you go because I know you have a meeting with people far more important than me, but I'll wrap the show up and I won't embarrass you by doing a little announcement about Bulwark Capital Management when you're here. So let me <laughs> right. let me do an early job of, of um, telling you to uh, asking that you go with God's good grace and thanking you for everything as always. Hey, man, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on again and best of the folks out there and uh, stay frosty. Yep. Next week. That's it. We'll talk about Zach Abraham, the homeschool expert, homeschooling expert. Enjoy your phone call, my friend. All right, All right man. Have a good one. Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer, Bulwark Capital Management, joins us on the Todd Herman Show every Friday. It's knowyourriskradio.com. And if you like what you hear from Zach, and why wouldn't you? Uh, it's truth telling after all. Understand this, that the firm that he runs, he runs with his wife. His wife is a very smart and very charming uh, woman. Um, she is the chief operating officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And they, as you heard Zach talking there, understand that 90% of their net worth is tied up in the company called Bulwark Capital Management. So they have skin in the game. Uh, it matters to them, of course, uh, because they take very seriously the stewarding of other people's money. It also matters from the perspective of that's where their, their wealth, their, their future, their college funds are parked. And that's not the way it is with a lot of these big firms. Also understand this, that as he's talking about all this stuff, you heard something. He said, hey, we're down 3% right now, most, most portfolios, but we were up 17% last year. I don't know when I hear other fund managers talk about down. Right, because he is just wedded to the truth. This is one of the reasons that he is, you know, this is the, one of the reasons I work with him for my money. Right, and it's knowyourriskradio.com is the website. That's also his radio show. So if you like what you heard on the podcast, you can have more of Zach at knowyourriskradio.com. You can also there contact him to do business with the with a bulwark. It's knowyourriskradio.com. If you prefer the phone, and I do, it's it's eight six six. 779 risk that's 866-779-RISK. Or yeah, knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Truck Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. It's one of those rare times, and I'll let you know when I do these that I'm actually uh, going back and editing the ending uh, to the show today uh, or this episode. See, I'm a radio guy show. After I recorded this with Zach, I got a note from uh, the guy who really, I don't think, well, I don't know that he would say, I'll, I'll just say it this way. <clears throat> He's the guy who taught me about manhood from the perspective of being a discipled man. And life is so utterly strange, but I'm finding something about the uh, the people of God. Uh, it happens that my my best friend, who I consider a brother, and Zach and I were talking about this guy at the beginning of the podcast and his wife. 
and joking about old time radio. It turns out that Gary and Karen know Zach's mom and knew Zach's dad. And I'm finding this connection between the people of God that's it's baffling to me. But this reminded me that I haven't yet told you about the incredible gift of a weekend um, dinner I had with these two people. You've heard me talk about them on the air. They're the two people who aren't supposed to be alive. Karen was born on Christmas Day um, and she was not thriving and and wasn't eating. And they bundled her up and swaddled her and, and sat her behind the wood burning stove so that she could die gently and she refused to die <laughs> and she's uh, forevermore refused to die and one day she'll go home to the Lord and Gary was born and he's spoken about this publicly so I don't think I'm out of school here um, Gary was adopted and had the opportunity as a very successful man to go back and speak to uh, some of the kids at uh, I don't know if it's correct to call it an orphanage but the facility he was at um, where, well, actually where his mom gave birth because he had adopted parents and was raised very well and beloved. And, uh, but his mom went there to give birth uh, because at the time, you know, a girl went away. So it, it, had it been in the time of the party, uh, Gary may have been uh, aborted instead of raised in this very, very loving home and, and Karen going on to be raised. And, and they ended up being a married couple who now are responsible for the creation in, in concert and work with God of, I don't know. I, I, I've lost track, but 20 lives, 25 lives. But the reason I wanted to tell you about this is I think one of the thefts in our world has been community. Having kids around multiple adults who are Christian. And I'll tell you why. It's because you know that parents and kids reach fatigue points. Uh, where they can't speak or the, the, the talking doesn't go well. It's very common for kids in those teen years to, and it's, it's biologically necessary, I think, for, for kids to separate from their parents psychologically. They are establishing their own identity. It's a crucial phase. It has to happen because if it doesn't, um, you can end up with a really broken human being if they don't go out and establish their own identity. And rebellion is part of that. It's one of the reasons that uh, we learned in adolescent and family therapy is you want your kid to have rebellion when they're little because that's when the rebellion is easier to handle. And if it's handled well and the, the child succeeds in establishing a personality, you may deal with less rebellion when they're teenagers or lesser forms of it, less dramatic. I had the blessing of living in the home of people that I'd, I'd never seen a home this way. Gary and Karen's home was intact. Uh, Their boys lived there. I was given the gift of living in their home for about a year and could have stayed longer. But I, again, felt I needed to establish my identity. And I say I say could have stayed longer because they made that clear. Um, And I saw a family eat together every night. Uh, That was a new thing for me. Even when Gary traveled for business, I saw that. Uh, I saw Gary and Karen wake up in the morning. I didn't see it. I just knew they did it because their bedroom was on top of the house and they would sit and have coffee together and watch the sunrise together. I was aware that happens because I would leave for work early and I could see them doing that. And I also knew about it. I saw arguments settled 
I saw, and in, in Christian ways, and I saw Karen's loving and patient um, approach to the boys. And, and sometimes that wasn't enough. Uh, very rarely, because those boys love their mom. And she is easily, I think, the, the most godly woman I've known. And easily, um, I can tell you that the Lord used her more than, than anybody, perhaps, to bring me to God, including um, her giving birth to my, my dearest friend and brother, Matthew. And living in that home, sometimes it wasn't enough. The gentle conversation from Karen, the godly conversation from Karen. And Gary is a very gentle and very loving man. And when he puts his foot down, it stays down. And only a few times did I see the foot come down. But we as fathers are called to be partly that. To have the ability to put the foot down and keep it down. And ain't nobody challenging pop. And that's the, that was the way it was. Only on a few occasions did I see Gary use that authority, but it was there. And I think there is to be a healthy mix of not fear, uh, but <laughs> knowledge that you are not going to challenge your father in that way. And Gary was swift to remind the kids if there was ever a time, very rare. I want to say these are very good boys. They all went, aside from my friend Matthew, uh, the, the, the two other boys, uh, now, you know, grown men my age, one of them older, uh, they went through some pretty stinking rebellious times, some pretty scary times. Um, but man, you don't ever speak crossways about my wife. But I also saw the work I saw a man travel for work because that's where the money was and because he was going to have his boys through college I saw a woman continue to work though she loved it and I think Gary loved radio he's he's the reason I know anything about radio is because of him and to see Karen continue to teach and I knew what sort of teacher she was because there are people who listen to this radio show, or pardon me, a podcast who taught, who got taught by her. We keep in contract to this day, a gentleman named, he calls himself Crab Walker. His real name is Mark. I met him through Karen. And so I got to have this, this second family, this second environment to see, oh, this is an option. Because I, I didn't know I had divorced parents. I had intact grandparents, but I didn't get to observe their lives in that way. I got to tell Karen and Gary things that I, I didn't feel comfortable telling my own mom. And with all respect to my mom, I got to share things with them. And we as a society do ourselves harm when we don't avail our kids of circumstances like that purposely. Yeah, we will spend more time designing a vacation um, than we will designing how we live with our families. We'll spend more time looking at the, and this is me, I'm talking about me, the, the view from the house that we bought. And, oh, wow, look at the, uh, look at the ceilings. Those are handmade. That's hand, that's, wow, those are hand done wood ceilings. Yeah, the real estate agent saying, yeah, in fact, I'll, I'll introduce you to the people who did it. They did the floors too. These are all hand done. Wow, look at the view. 
Look at the space in the house. Look what we can do to the yard eventually versus how many kids live around here? What are the families like? Uh, what's the church attendance in the area? We spend more time looking at things like that and factors like that. Then we look at who are our kids exposed to in terms of adults who will back us up. Gary and Karen weren't going around my mom's back. I know now because Karen has shared with me (laughs) that my mom and and she communicated because Karen's an upright, godly lady. I have notes between them because Karen has afforded me some of those notes. My mom has shared some that they wrote back and forth. Now, behind my back, sure, but I didn't have a right to know that. Those were two adults chatting. But we have, as a society, fallen down on this front. I'm pointing the finger at me. You know, lots of people write into the show and they say, what do we do? Who do we vote for? What's the Tea Party candidate? That's all very, very important. But I'm going to continue to insist that change, if you want to save America, the greatest consolation prize in history, and you want the biggest prize in, in, in forever, It's because it's not history, because it's forever, and that is the saving of souls, and the byproduct of which will be the saving of America until such a time as, as the Lord comes back. Everything we're talking about in terms of these family connections and this intentionality, speak it to your kids. I will tell my daughter I erred in raising you in a home, in a neighborhood where there weren't a bunch of kids connected to a church. I erred in ever switching you out of schools and and deeply, deeply erred in treating speed skating as more important than church and church connections. But tell, I will be telling her, please don't make these errors with your kids. You know, here is how Gary and Karen did it. This is a thing I learned late in life. I wish I had adopted. I don't know why I didn't. I knew about it. Please don't make these mistakes. And please encourage with the young people in your life that they seek other adults, trusted adults, not like the schools, not like the government schools that are, are you know, trying to trans kids and, and pervert them. But no, parents and adults that you know, I love the fact that at the church I attend, it's not a rare thing for a kid to have a blow up with their own parents and, and, and go, you know, running 12 blocks up and knock on the door of another adult. I just had this knockdown argument with my parents. And this other adult brings him in and listens in a godly sense. So I didn't, I've, I failed to share that with you, that I got to take them to my beloved pizza place. I got to hear from uh, Gary and Karen um, a story they'd never told me. I won't repeat because it's not mine to repeat, but I can tell you it cements everything I ever thought about them, which is God intended for them to be a couple. Oh, it's, and by the way, it's, that's, that's their belief as well which meant that God intended for Matthew to be created. Which meant that somewhere along the line, God knew I would meet Matthew. Which meant that somewhere along the line, God knew I would have these folks as mentors and and people I consider to be second parents. And they said something to me that really mattered and kind of blew my mind, honestly. I said, you know, your boys went through some scary times, two of your boys. Did you know they'd be okay? And they said, yep, we always knew they'd be okay. We knew God would be with them. And then this was so meaningful to me. (laughs) Karen said, I always knew you'd be okay too. I said, you did? She said, yeah. I always knew. (laughs) 
Gary said, oh, I, I wasn't so certain the first few weeks I knew you. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, we knew you were going to be okay. I hope that our generation can be the ones to teach. If it's not our kids, if it's too late, teach our grandkids. It is not good that man be alone. God did not create us to be in our own islands because they have beautiful views. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be mindful that God gave us the ability to create extended Christian families, and he gave us the need to have them.